There we go. We can't afford not to record. Hey, this is Misunderstood. Got your host over here. Darnell Moore. And his brother, Brian. And uh, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to get back into the, uh, the school board meetings. Getting back into the school board meetings. I've got two school board meetings queued up. And I also have the last board of supervisors meetings comments queued up. If we don't get too far off the reins, we might go ahead and knock those out or we might hold it for next meeting. We just got it kind of there in the pocket. Um, In addition to that, we've got kind of this whole interesting world around us. you know, the Speaker of the House, if we finally got a Speaker of the House, so we're going to get some business done in terms of Congress. Hopefully. So there's even other conversations that can be had if necessary. Yeah. But following through on these school board meetings, I said I figured some things out about the sound and how to navigate these school board meetings. So if anybody has listened to previous ones and thank heard you us, for bearing with us, thank you for <laughs> bearing with us. I'm going to go back and remaster those so that we're not talking over. The speakers, which is one thing I've learned really doesn't do very well. And I'm going to try and make sure I pause or mute while we're doing that live. And I can go back in and adjust it afterwards because they're all on different oh, channels. Oh, wow, man. Remaster written. Yeah, we're at that point I, already. We're at that like, point. Like Taylor Swift and uh, Fleetwood Mac remastered. Yes. And so if you've <laughs> noticed, you, you may have seen some shows go up and then all of a sudden they're not available anymore. And if they're not available, one of two things has happened uh, recently. I, I you know said was not going to post names and I posted a show with names. So I went back and I pulled that show immediately and I'm I'm cutting the names back out. It'll be reposted. There was one where I posted just like the uh, the sound channel and no other channels. So I I paused that one and then reposted it once it was corrected. So anybody who's been listening, thank you. I'm learning how to be a sound engineer as this goes along. So I'm getting this whole second set of skills. I will say these names are public information. Like (laughs) if if you want to go to the website and be nosy. I'm not telling you to, but uh. yeah. So I like my mistake is forgivable. I I, I get you. And so um, five nine twenty two is is the meeting we're going to look at Alrighty. immediately. And following that, we can look at the town hall. And I'm not exactly sure when the town hall came in, but I think it was posted after this meeting. Okay. So just chronologically, how it came to YouTube, that's how we're going to see it. Not necessarily how these. Uh, came to came to be in, in existence. Right. So we're going to jump right into the public comments at school board meeting 59 You have a three minute limit. Their timer is up there for everyone. So just keep an eye on it as you're speaking. Uh, please remember just to be kind. First of all, I misquoted last month. One more biblical truth demonstrated. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. Proverbs 16, 18. The poem says, how can I go on with my life, not how can I go on living? Regardless, if you do not do either, you are dead. And we should not encourage thoughts of suicide, especially to elementary students. But on to another curriculum glitch. I've heard the classroom sets of the book Black Boy, White School were purchased and intended for eighth grade English curriculum. I would like to thank those responsible for moving, or banning if you prefer that term, that book from the eighth grade English curriculum. With the rampant foul language and promiscuous sex throughout, this book has no place in our curriculum. So thank you. Literature should not be a reflection of the worst of our lives, but an inspiration to do better and be better. Even back before diversity and inclusion, I was taught the uplifting stories of George Washington Carver and Booker T. Washington. Tom Edison's persistence despite his disability was encouraging, and Dr. Ben Carson's story is one that has inspired millions. But returning to the book in question, the last I heard the classroom says was still in each classroom. They need to be removed, just as the poem suggesting suicide needs to be removed from the elementary classrooms. And I'm very sorry so much money was needlessly spent. Hopefully we can get a refund. As a teacher, we were always told to review books and movies before they were used in our classroom. It seems that someone needs to read copies of materials before they are ordered for our school system. I'm a prolific reader and I will gladly volunteer if you need help. 
When my son was in high school in Franklin County around 2005, one of the th assigned readings from the state-approved textbook was Jonathan Edwards' sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. This was rich text for study, not only because of the wordcraft Edwards used, but also for the place of that sermon in the history being made at that time. That sermon was part of the Great Awakening, which had a substantial effect in the colonies. Many say it was part of the culture that fomented the, the revolution and founding of our nation. Literature with historical context needs to be taught in our schools. We cannot leave out the parts of history that are religious in nature. They are facts. Is this literature still taught in our schools? Is any history with religious context still taught in our classrooms? If we leave out the religious nature of much of our history, we are being deceitful to our students. The ideas that make us a great nation did not come from a vacuum. They came from people with a strong sense of God's involvement in history and with those with a sense of right and wrong based on biblical values. To eliminate discussion of those ideas is as harmful as eliminating discussion of wrongs in our history. Our children need the truth, all of it, and they need to know that every person has had wrong thoughts or actions in their lives. People can be great leaders and accomplish great things in spite of their errors and even in spite of character flaws. No one can reach the standard of perfection, so don't doom our children to mediocrity because they do not dare to try. And they need to know that no one today is responsible for the history of the past. The truth that needs to be emphasized is that each person is responsible for his own actions, thoughts, and deeds, not those of history, and particularly not those we have fought and died to correct. Thank you. Ms. Cosmato? Okay. Um, the poem she referenced uh -huh. in the beginning, we actually had a chance to listen to it. Our mother read it. Mother read it last time because she, she had made the complaint. My mom found out about it, talked with the author, mm -hmm. got a pretty good assurance that this poem had nothing to do with suicide. Well, I, I think the problem is that uh, she took it literally. Um, she misquoted know, and then took it literally. Yes, uh, where, you know, he says, how can I go on living? Pretty much, you know, <laughs> no, with the information that I've learned about, you know, the struggles of African Americans, <clears throat> and, and there's, there, oh gosh, it feels like a desire not to fully acknowledge the struggles of African Americans, because she's complaining about a book that may deal with topics of sexual abuse or sexual assault, and then she immediately goes, "Oh, let's let's highlight Booker T. Washington's story," as if Booker T. Washington isn't the product of a sexual mm -hmm. assault, and I, I think that's something that that we ignore because Booker had a father. Wash was his father. It was the man who raised him, who looked out for him, who fed him, who clothed him. But Wash was not his biological father. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was a product of a rape <laughs> because his mom could not consent being enslaved. Yeah. And that's something that we want to pretend out of some of these curriculums. When she's talking about, let's hide this story, but let's talk about Booker T. Washington. Well, you don't want to talk about all of Booker T. Washington. No. And it's kind of ironic because she brings up, you know, we need to. In her speech, she talks about uh, not leaving out the bad things in history. But at the same, same time, she's saying. <laughs> Let's leave the bad things. <laughs> yeah. Uh. And I, I think there's room for both. I, I what, What's worried me lately about the folks that we're talking to is they have an absolutist mindset. So it's, there's this idea that either you're dogging, like the, the founding fathers are just absolute garbage and there's nothing redeeming about them, or they're saints, as opposed to them being human mm -hmm. and having the opportunity for greatness and taking that opportunity, but also having the opportunity for absolute debauchery and terribleness, and in some cases taking that too. But I, I mean, I'm willing to give up Bill Cosby. <laughs> Look, but we don't give up. We don't give up the Cosby Show. No, we we, we don't, don't give, give up, up what he's done. Uh, right. 
uh, the things that he's done for Africa. He he has done great things. Yes. <laughs> but I won't have a statue for him. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not gonna erect any monuments uh, for this guy. I got a, I got a poster on my wall of famous Omegas. He's been removed from. Oh the wall. wow! You yeah, removed him from. Removed the wall. him from the wall. I, I I glued my picture on top, <laughs> so it wasn't a great Photoshop edit. I need to see this. So you up there I, with? But I uh, post them in there with with Brother McNair and uh, yeah yeah I'm, I'm outclassed Michael Jordan outclassed by quite a bit with the rest of the brothers on this wall. So I may have to take uh, I may have to find another cue that's more suitable. Uh, no man. <laughs> Aspirations. There you go. I, I can stand on it. I have a script, but I think I'm going to go off script and just speak to you from my heart off about script. the public comment. Oh. I want to start by thanking the four school board members who are diligently fighting to see the public comment policy return to its previous form. I thank you for that. I'm terribly disappointed in the four that are choosing not to. I want to remind everybody listening to me that everybody on the board took an oath of office to uphold the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of Virginia. Here's what the Constitution says. In Article 1, Bill of Rights, Section 2, people are the source of the power. All power is vested in and consequently derived from the people. The magistrates, that's the people on the board, are their trustees and their servants. You serve us. You are supposed to be the trustees of our faith in you and at all times amenable to them. The term amenable means willing to accept a suggestion or submit to authority. I, I feel like I see your gears turning. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> so this is the state constitution. She, yeah, but she's also describing a elected position. Yes. So it sounds like she wants the other board members to vote the way that she would or the vote the way that they would in her district. Because clearly if, you know, I, I'll say our, my representative is uh, Worley. Okay. Um, we actually like him, mm -hmm. which is why, you know, I plan on voting for him again. <laughs> Most majority of the people in our district will probably vote for him yes. again. Um, so, you know, I guess it's, ba but it's also based on, you know, his, the representation of the people who his constituents. So that is the reason that he will continue to stay in office is he's voting the interest of the people who yes. are electing him. But she's saying that, that they should vote. the. <laughs> I have trouble understanding it. So she, it sounds like she's saying that, that he is not upholding this particular section of the Constitution and she's going to recite that section to show where he is at fault or where everybody but the four members she has identified are at fault. Now, she didn't directly identify. Cause, and I'd also like to know what um, rules changed that that she said that they should have gone back to. Does this have to do with COVID? I think a lot of the rule changes had to do with uh, signing up, like no, no longer being able to sign up as soon as you walked in to speak about um, being able to, I think, maybe answer questions back or forth if, if addressed directly. Um, so there, there's some. But I feel like most of these rules were due to COVID. No, most of these rules were we had most of these rules were in the works because of us 
when we did the Confederate Monument is we started up these these conversations and the meetings were lasting until 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. Okay. And then they still had to close doors and finish the other half of the meeting. Oh, so they wanted to get home. They wanted to get home. Okay. They were like, we can't just have these open public comments with 900 people coming in and just deciding to speak for three minutes at a time and just eating us up. And then we still have to do the business of the, of, of the work. So they were putting some of these roadblocks in the way. Uh, okay. And I think that I, I believe that's where a lot of these. And so hopefully as people are listening, we need to set up some kind of way that listeners can start commenting back and giving us a little bit of feedback on, hey, this might be what you're looking at, or these are some of the things that we're thinking about. Okay. We, the people for months, have come to you and asked you to change the public speaking policy. The other part of the Constitution that I want to talk about is Article One, the Bill of Rights. The freedom of speech, that the freedoms of speech and of the press are among the great bulk wards of liberty and can never be restrained except by despotic governments. That any citizen may freely speak, write, and publish his sentiments on all subjects being responsible for the abuse of that right. And that the General Assembly shall not pass any law abridging the freedom of speech. I'm going to stop there and say the General Assembly and the Code of Virginia simply say that there has to be a public comment session offered. They don't offer any other guidance because they know that they are not to abridge the right to free speech. Limiting us to 30 minutes is abridging the right of free speech. Limiting any speech is unconstitutional. If you're not going to follow the Constitution, if you're not going to uphold your office, then I would respectfully say, why don't you step down and let we the people elect somebody who does want to follow the Constitution? Thank you. But we the people have the right to elect somebody else if we're dissatisfied with the person. Say that again, because I'm going to cut that piece. Well, we the people have the ability to elect someone else if we're not satisfied. That so, is, I, I don't know. There, there's there's been this weird kick where I'm, it's not certain exactly what the complaint is, mm. and because they've not given us a clear like marker of what the complaint is, and I, th- I think for us it was pretty clear. Like we were like ban the Confederate flag, and it yes. didn't happen, didn't happen, didn't happen, and then all of a sudden, honestly, without us even pushing for it. Charlottesville happened and things got a little heavy. I think and this was after was it, was was it after the, Charlottesville or South Carolina? One of them. E- either mm-hmm. way, somebody took that Confederate flag too far mm-hmm. and they just quietly cut it. We stopped showing up. Yeah. And so what we've got is we've got folks here that came in last time and kind of demanded a, a, a change in people sitting on the board. They got those changes. The, the, the board changed. They're still not happy. Asking for books to be re, re, uh, removed. Well, they asked for curriculum well, to be changed. Not, I will say, how do you feel about um, if you don't have a dog in the fight, should you be speaking at these public comments? So say you don't have any children in Franklin County mm-hmm. public schools. Should you be able to speak? I, I think so. But I think that dog in the fight part is important. I think one of the things that especially for for the opportunity to speak is create a dog in the fight is if you sign up to speak for three minutes, Mm -hmm. you need to volunteer three minutes in the school system. That's it. it. I I think I would prefer a half hour. And one of the easiest ways you could do is simply on the nights that we have school board meetings, 
you come in and help line up the kids and pass out the things or set the chairs up. Because if you listen, you work all day, you can't make it to, to to help during the school day. Well, clearly you can make it to a school board meeting because you were able to speak. Come volunteer and help that day. Hmm. Come help set up chairs. Come help take chairs down. That way you get the chance to meet the staff, figure out what the agenda is going to look like and see what it looks like. See what their agenda is about. What? Yes. is <laughs> My biggest problem is not that there's not a dog in the fight, is that there's a refusal to admit that there's a fight going on. They won't step into schools and see what kind of work it takes to educate our kids. OK. They're angry and angry, but they're not willing to go in and see the truth, because if they see the truth, they can't be angry anymore. Hmm. And I think that is just the absolute fact. Nobody's in there teaching their kids to hate each other. Nobody's using pornographic curriculum. Nobody's in a space teaching awful things to our kids. Mm-hmm. We're doing the best we can. Probably the most attention that these books are getting is the, <laughs> them bringing them up at the school board. For meetings. some of them, yes, is, is brought up at the school board. But even if some of these teachers bought classroom sets and planned on teaching with them, I don't know why you wouldn't be able to go talk to the teacher. I don't know why the principal would invite you in. We had an issue. I had an issue in one of the classes and the principal brought me in to talk with the teacher. The superintendent came into the meeting. We had a conference with the parents like we went over the curriculum issues. I had made a mistake. Something I thought was taken out that we had thought we had omitted from the curriculum showed up and it wasn't something that the kids were supposed to have. And we had to admit to our mistake. But parents have that power. And there's a lot of pretending as if they don't, that there's some big, bad school system that's trying to indoctrinate children without the parents' knowledge. Mm-hmm. And the parents are involved. So a lot of it's paranoia. A lot of it's oh man. <laughs> paranoia is a tough one, because at least with paranoia, you're paranoid about something you can't get access to. You know what I mean? Like people are paranoid about the FBI. You can't knock on the FBI and be like, hey, let me in and see what's going on here. Hmm. But you can knock on the door of the school system and say, hey, I'd like to schedule a tour during the school day. They'll run you through Identikid and they'll give you a tour during the school day. Hmm. You can go down to the school board office and say, hey, I'd like to sign up as a volunteer and, and do lunches. And you can talk with the kids every day during lunch. You can be a bus monitor. You could be a substitute teacher. You are not barred. You can't go like, hey, I'd like to be a substitute FBI agent for the week. (laughs) So I can get my badge. Right. I get being paranoid of the FBI. Mm -hmm. I can't understand being paranoid of the school system. That's willful. You are deciding to be ignorant so you can make an evil thing out of this. Okay. Mm. Shots fired. Yeah. Shot. Oh, oh, it got me. Who's next? Uh, And and my buddy's next. (laughs) Patrick Cosmato, <clears throat> Boom District. Oh, man. I, I promise you, uh, I had no idea what was going to transpire tonight when I was putting my comments together. But as it turns out, um, they apply well to not only the students, but as, uh, also to the recipients this evening. Because um, I was here tonight to speak on behalf of the students who have achieved success in their athletics and academics during the school year. And I wanted to suggest to you, uh, to the board, that the current practice of holding recognition ceremonies for these hardworking, dedicated students, as well as all these other folks who received uh, recognition tonight, uh, ought to be changed from sandwiching in them at a board meeting to a larger facility that would accommodate all those who might want to attend, family members, uh, 
uh, aunts, uncles, uh, anybody in the family who might want to see their family member receive their uh, reward, or their awards. Um, like not only would it recognize the outstanding accomplishments of these students and others, uh, it would give family members such as grandparents, aunts and uncles, or family friends the, the opportunity to celebrate with these students and the parents and gar guardians and other family members. Um, it would offer coaches and, and staff members an opportunity to expound at a, a greater length on the students' abilities and skills. We dedicated uh, right around 50 minutes to, to uh, a lot of people that have really uh, accomplished a lot of things. And I think it would be more appropriate to, to have this at a separate and different venue. It uh, would offer better safety than the current practice of overfilling this small. You know, separate but equal always works. <laughs> not that I was off topic, as <laughs> not where he was going. <laughs> All boardroom. Uh, many times, students and parents are forced to stand along the walls or even in the foyer due to the lack of uh, adequate seating. In addition to being a fire hazard, this does not line up with the board's history of uh, insisting on social distancing or uh, to prevent uh, disease transmission. These are only a few of the potential benefits for the students and their families uh, from um, making this change. Our students have had to uh, endure a lot over the past few years. Uh, no in-person graduations, uh, no senior proms, or at best proms where masks might be required, uh, the cancellation of athletic and the special events, no field trips and so on. Is there any reason why we can't uh, uh, try to give them some good memories to take with them uh, from their school days and hold a special recognition night in their honor? Thank you very much. Okay. I think he's referring to the uh, actual banquet for <laughs> yeah. the, the sport, uh, which they do have. They do. For each sport. Yes. Um, and a lot of times there's senior night at the last athletic event mm -hmm. that happens where they'll actually pause at halftime, yep. bring all the seniors out. We recognize our kids. He is personally absent from the school system. Yes. He, ha uh, he has no dog in the fight and no interest in the fight. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I will say that I think we were at one of these where this is actually just a private recognition specifically from the board of supervisors members like hey you know we, school board. we yeah school board you know hey we we acknowledge you mm -hmm. you're you're excelling at this sport you know we just wanted to let you know that that we also congratulate you so um yeah everything he said is already being done for each sport there's at least 12 chairs open in this particular meeting it's not overcrowded uh I'm here. I can see me in this meeting. I'm wearing a mask. So, you know, I, we're doing our thing. I'm, I'm, I got two chairs between me. Me and my wife are together. And then there's two chairs between us and the next person. So we were able to socially distance. It's made up. Yeah. Uh, so I guess this goes along the lines of someone who's not actively in the school system. Yes. Well, and this seems to be the biggest problem we're having right now is right now we're fighting a lot of people's feelings. Yes. Like they feel like the school system is doing this. They feel like liberals are doing this. I'll go a step further and say that they all, they almost want it to happen so that they can be upset about it. Uh, because I, I think at one point, one of the school board members um, actually read a uh, something from an unreputable source along the lines of something that was happening in like Northern Virginia school system. Mm, is it one we're going to get to, or was this back when we were uh, Confederate monument? This was, uh, this was actually from this act. Uh, 
trying to think back. Um, this is 2022. Was this person on the school board then? They should have been. Because I, I know when we did the Confederate Monuments time and we started slipping into COVID, somebody read some article from like, it wasn't quite the onion, Epochs. but it was Epoch Epo- time. Epo- yeah. Yes. Um, I do remember that. That was still during during the Confederate part, but at the beginning of the COVID space. Okay. We were starting to get So weird. this is before we were recording. They started recording. This is, the yes, this is before they would record the meeting. So I don't think we're going to get a chance to see oh, that one. Oh. But um, I think reaching out to Miss Blue, who collected that evidence at that particular meeting, who asked for copies of all that. It, it might be worth reaching out to her to have a conversation, see if she'd like to sit definitely, on the podcast. Definitely need to have her on here. Yeah, she um, is. She's a firecracker. Oh, and we can we can shout out her man, book, A but, Time to Protest. Oh, yes, yes. If mm-hmm. I think it's available on Amazon. Yeah, it's a good read. Finished it. Um, I, I can recommend it. Okay, so, well, the question, I guess, does it deal with uh, actual history of Franklin County in the book. It does. It deals with history of Franklin County. It deals with primarily her father and how her father was active in protest. So he wasn't a traditional protester. He wasn't, you know, like NAACP meeting, um, pushing for like um, the busing pieces. He, he kind of had his own way of navigating protests. There's this description. And we've we've heard the same kind of descriptions where the farmers wouldn't all have the same equipment Mm-hmm. So they would kind of gather together and may they do may do thrashing at one farm and then they just go farm to farm to farm. And whoever's farm they were on would feed everybody when they were working at this. And they had this habit of the white farmers would eat first and then the black farmers would be able to come through, even when they were at the black farmers houses. Huh. And so there's a description in the book of how her father set out a protest, which meant that his field wouldn't get cleared. Because he would get dropped from the group. So, mm-hmm. you know, that he didn't protest the same way, but he was still active in the fight. And that, that's the description that she gives. Okay. And that, of course, he lived long enough to see the fruits of his protest in meeting President Obama as we went from a nation that considered African-American second class citizens to electing one to presidency. So okay. that's kind of the arc so of the book. name of the book again? name of the book is A Time to Protest by Penny Blue. Okay. Uh, uh, you could get through it in a weekend. It's 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 a it's a good read. It's all about local. It's, okay. it's Franklin County. Miss Doctor, do you have a Four point oh five review and consider approval of the agenda. That puts us through. Okay. All right. So we're going to move on to the next meeting. We can move on to the next meeting, and this is again the town hall. And I believe the town hall was actually prior okay. to the one we just heard. So if you listen to this, we're going back. <laughs> but if you're looking at it, if you go on to the school board and you're looking through the meetings because they posted all the school board meetings, this is actually going to be out after the one we just listened to. OK. Uh, and there's also this weird the way they named them. So it's like January, February, October, November, December, March, April, May. And I think it just has something to do with how computers read numbers. They, mm-hmm. they scrambled them up. Um, but we're going through in the order. And this one is listed as either May or June as the time. But I don't think that's the month it was actually done. Public okay. comment, Ms. Stockton. I didn't attend. Okay. Public comments, the time for you to be heard as long as there's no use of profanity or use of names when referring to staff, students, or schools. 
You will have three minutes to speak, but when the timer goes off is a signal that the next speaker needs to come to the podium. We do have a new system put in place that now you can see the countdown as you're speaking, so you know how long you have left. Uh, so that would no more surprises. I think that's an improvement. We've been working on that for a while, and thank you guys for helping make this happen. Um, just remember What's to that speak name? your f first and last name before <laughs> you get started, uh, and they will start the timer going can I from get there. A little so bit we'll more get started because I can name off like twenty Vicky rappers Drew. right now. <laughs> oh, common uh, ice cube, ice tea. Okay, I was was kind of, cool Jay. No, the the political rapper that we were going to talk about. We're going to play a song called Race War. Oh man, I was going to cue that up in the background. <laughs> But you know what? I think I've given myself enough information, so I'm going to go ahead and play the comments, and I think I can bring it up. Okay. So back to the town hall. I think we need to review the difference between truth, ignorance, and deceit. First, I would like to address the poem read to you last month. It was the same poem I read at the town hall meeting, the one that should be removed because it actually ends by suggesting the eight-year-old student uses the point of view should be suicidal at the thought of a wrong committed over 150 years ago and that is now outlawed in the USA. Could you pause Quote, it? how can I go on living? Unquote. Okay. Of course you may. Yes. Yep. Sorry. I, I need to look up this poem because we, we need to read it. Again? Yeah. Huh? Did we read it on air? No, mom read it on air. But uh, yeah, let's go ahead and look it up and let's add it in. And at the same time, I'm going to kind of describe a little bit about the the song that I'm looking for is a song called Race War by Tom McDonald and Adam Calhoun. And we had a cousin. And it, can we call her out? Uh -huh. All right, I'll ask. I'm going to call and ask if we can call her out. But we've got a cousin um, who... It's, you know, should call every once in a while and kind of keep me on my toes in terms of keeping up with what's going on in the world. What's the educational space like? Um, I really, really absolutely loved my adult relationship. Um, we were far enough apart. I was uh, four or five years old, six, maybe six years old. No, it's six years older than her. So I'm six years older than her. So, you know, 16 and 10, that was a big space. So really... You know, it was actually, I think you're nine years older. Nine? Yeah. She can't be. She's got to be saying oh, no, 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 Sean. You're right, you're right. You're right. You're right. OK. OK. So but that, that felt like a big space when I was a kid. And now she's just younger. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So she's she's clearly younger. I think she would want me to state that out loud. Like <laughs> she is not the same age as me. <laughs> but. Uh, an adult relationship has been really cool because uh, she's been she's you know challenged some of the stuff I'd never thought about before. Uh, the conversations we have on the phone are just out of this world. But she brought to you. She was like, hey, listen to this song. <laughs> and so we're going to uh, get a chance to air this song and talk a little bit about racism, about how rap is being used by dis by various groups. And I, I think it's pretty interesting. Do you have the poem up? I don't. I don't. Okay. Uh, you want to go back to the town hall, finish this up? I feel like we need to. Okay. So I, I just didn't know if you wanted to try and squeeze the poem back in. Well, that wasn't the title of it. <laughs> I, I had a little difficulty finding it. Okay. An incident in the classroom because it... <clears throat> Let me see. Before you get started, and they will start the timer. Facts are based on ignorance. Not knowing that in 2021, the National Education Association, three million strong, passed what they called Business Item 39 to integrate CRT throughout the curriculum would be ignorance. And it's easy to see how that could happen because as soon as it was noticed and people started to object, the page was scrubbed from their website. 
That's deceitful. I read it before they scrubbed it, so I'm not ignorant. Likewise, when people wanted CRT removed from the curriculum, thousands of teachers signed a statement saying they would continue to teach CRT even if it were made illegal. If you read that, you are not ignorant. During McAuliffe's and Northam's terms as governor, the Virginia Department of Education supported CRT in the classroom. 2015 training materials encouraged state public schools to, quote, embrace critical race theory, end quote, and, quote, engage in race-conscious teaching and learning, end quote. Other direct quotes include using a, quote, critical race theory CRT lens, end quote, and, quote, culturally responsive alternatives, end quote. I know this, and so I'm not ignorant about it. If you know this and are not willing to admit that something promoted and widely distributed throughout the state education systems has affected Virginia schools, you're deceitful. If you did not know, you're only ignorant. But speaking of ignorance itself, it's easy to see how this can happen. Even our own district has banned certain news websites from our schools because of their conservative bias. But if you do not acknowledge the bias of the liberal mainstream media, then you are deceitful. All you have to do is consider the saga of the Hunter Biden laptop, which was truthfully reported by conservative media before the November 2020 election, but hidden, banned, or ignored by the mainstream media, or labeled without any investigation as, quote, Russian disinformation. That was deceitful. But the point is, when students are not allowed to hear certain newsworthy stories, sorry, she's still ideas, wearing a tinfoil hat. The district hat leaves the totally. pigment. <laughs> All right, say it again. Is she still wearing her tinfoil hat? I can't see the video. Uh, you know what? I went, I went hard sarcasm last time. I'm gonna try and stay off the sarcasm train. <laughs> it's it's hard not to. Um, when they bring up liberal conservative, uh, Hunter Biden, like these dog whistles. It, I stop listening when 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 those come up. Well, there, there's one absolute truism about America is that we love an underdog. And so I think some of this fight is really about saying, look, Donald Trump isn't criminal. Donald Trump isn't racist. Donald Trump is hated. And that's why they call him. He's really the underdog. And a lot of this is about building this underdog status. So Hunter Biden's laptop has to be attacked seriously anytime someone brings it up. And the big question that just has to be asked that I would love to know anybody who's a Hunter Biden uh, aficionado, a Hunter Biden laptop aficionado. <laughs> I got to talk to you. What's on the laptop? Incriminating stuff. man. Right. <laughs> so. We know at some point, Rudy Giuliani, Donald Trump's personal lawyer, had access to this laptop. If there's anything criminal on it, why did Rudy Giuliani hide it? Huh. And the only thing I can think of is maybe they thought being able to extend this story out. You know, if you if Hunter Biden went to jail, it's over. But if they can extend the story out longer, then maybe they can keep him as an underdog. So this is my tinfoil hat. So I'm going to borrow hers, put it on. <laughs> <laughs> this is my tinfoil hat. Is Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani know about everything criminal on that laptop. Hmm. But they're hiding it so they can use it later on. That doesn't make any sense. Why doesn't it? So um, what's the challenge on that? Um, I mean, if there is something incriminating mm -hmm. on the laptop, release it. Yeah, but then Hunter Biden would have gone to jail four years ago. Okay. Because they had it while Donald Trump was still in office. Yeah. Then they couldn't have used it during the election. And they can't use it for this next election. 
See, I was thinking ahead. Uh, it's thinking like a loser. Well, that's how he thinks. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I mean, what you're saying is that uh, mm-hmm. it's their scapegoat. Hey, you know, you're not going to win, but you can <laughs> use this as an excuse as to why, you know. Well, I think they thought they were going to win. I, 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 they had figured out some kind of way to cheat, and then it didn't work out for them. Uh, to me, I feel like that would be your golden ticket. Hey, release this information that not only discredits uh, this man's son, but also possibly the uh, presidential candidate. They didn't think they needed it for the first election. They had all those mules that they put those ballots in. I'm calling BS, man. There ain't nothing on that laptop. <laughs> I, uh, if there is, Rudy Giuliani knows about it. I don't think smart enough to, to keep it if, hidden. I, uh, do you think Donald Trump could keep that information secret? secret? Okay. Come on, man. I'm going to say. This man was uh, bragging to uh, Kid uh, Rock about <laughs> classified documents. documents. All right. I got to say. Hey, you want to know who uh, killed JFK? Oh, uh, <laughs> A lot of holes. A lot of holes in my. Let me take my hat off. I I do not deserve this tinfoil hat. There are too many holes in my story. Okay. All right. I'm gonna move on. Let me go back. (laughs) Able to form educated opinions. If you do not allow yourself to hear these stories, then you remain ignorant and unable to form educated opinions. Teachers educate. So I've provided two books for your education. If you're not allowed to accept gifts, you may return them after reading them. You need to understand that the depth of our conviction and continual oversight is not political, but that the destructive ideas of social justice and CRT are antithetical to the foundations of biblical Christianity. They attack the basic tenets of our faith. Hold on, what did she say about social justice? Is is she going to tell us the book she provided? All right. I I might leave Miss Muse's name in. So there's a couple things that I think have to be addressed in her conversation is critical race theory and culturally responsive teaching or race responsive teaching are not the same thing. Of course they're not. One is a theory. One is a theory. So critical race theory is the idea that if a racial group is found in a greater number in any particular instance, there is some issue there greater than the fact that that race is particularly subpar. And so lawyers came up with this theory. They said, okay, if we look at African-Americans, they're arrested at higher rates. Mm -hmm. And so the average, the conversation that always had been out there before is the reason they're arrested at higher rates is because black people are more criminal. Like something about being black makes us more criminal. And that therefore it makes it okay to more add more police in black areas. Yes. Because we're more prone to criminal behavior. Or yeah, or to target. To target. Black. Yeah. And so critical race theory would say, stop, you can't do that. Look at other circumstances that create issues amongst criminality and race. Mm-hmm. What else is happening to black people in the same kind of numbers? That's what critical race theory asks you to do. And so Sometimes it works. So people will say, "Okay, well, there's a a higher rate of fatherlessness in the black community. And we know a higher rate of fatherlessness has a higher incidence of arresting. So then the question will become, what about black men causes us not to be uh, involved in our children's lives? Mm -hmm. 
And I think a lot of the statements is it's cultural. There's something about black men that we don't like to raise our own kids. Again, critical race theory would say stop and let's look at some other circumstances. And some of the circumstances tend to be a little bit of a circular argument. There are black men who have arrest records at the same ages that they have young families. Yeah. So if you start arresting black men between ages 22 and 35, you're removing the group of men that would be young fathers. Mm. If you release those men back out after 35 with a criminal record where they can no longer get jobs, they're no longer viable as the head of a household. Mm. So there are other issues. We're not just like innately bad people. And I think this is where we start to go into. There's a systemic issue. There's there's something that keeps us from progressing. And it's not just the fact that black people are built subpar. Now, where did you get this information from? Um, did you learn this in Franklin County Public Schools? I did not learn <laughs> this in Frank. I got yelled at. I, again, I always give the description of the three of us make really we, we work well in an argument together with folks mm-hmm. because we attack everything the same way. So somebody was like, hey, you know, you guys and your critical race theory are causing all the problems. And so me, I'm the one that goes, oh, no. We got to, what is this critical race theory stuff? So I went out and I bought a book and I'm reading about critical race theory. You handle it different. You go, we are. Well, what's critical race theory? Tell me about it. And that's always funny because then I get to watch them not answer because they don't really know. And then there's Sean's, which is probably the best. Sean will go, all right. And then just walk off. (laughs) He's like, "Uh, whatever, man. And I think most of the black community really treated, especially the beginning of critical race theory, exactly that way. They were like, all right. Same way we we, we treat Marxism. Yeah. (laughs) It's you all in them Marxism. What? Okay. And so, you know. Oh, no, not one Mark. (laughs) And I, I'm, do, I'm doing the same thing. Like, I've got the Communist Manifesto now and reading through this. And no, we're not. <laughs> so, you know, all this information you're getting, they're not getting it. You're not getting it. Any Black Lives Matter rallies. No, not at the Black Lives. <laughs> but then I keep thinking when they're like uh, the leaders of, of Black Lives Matter were trained Marxists. And I'm like, well, doggone it. I think you're the reason they got trained. <laughs> if you go yell at me that I'm like a Marxist, now I got to go study what Marxism is to find out if I am or not. You done turned me into a trained Marxist. Okay, let's put this. <laughs> we got a disclaimer on this show. We are not, not trained Marxists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be a terrible soundbite, wouldn't it? Yes. Got him. <laughs> no, I'm not. And I just don't think I also don't think it works. Reading the Communist Manifesto, it just won't work in modern society. It, it, it feels like the rantings of a rich, spoiled kid who thinks he's figured out all of society's problems. Hmm. Um, and, you know, like he hits some things that are like, OK, that makes sense and that makes sense. But some of the things he says make sense. We do as a country because we've got this really mixed democracy. Uh, but I don't know. <laughs> not a Marxist. <laughs> Oh. She left before her time was up. So right now it's kind of ticking down her time. Oh, she's passing out the books. I wish she had said what the books were because I definitely would go read those. Um, so I may contact your person, Mr. Worley. He's mine too, isn't he? Do I get to vote for him in town? Um, 
I know, you, I, like, they live closer to you. Yeah, I don't know. I think so. I think it's still Rocky Mountain. Good evening, board. My purpose for speaking to you is to stress the importance of creating and maintaining a division-wide culture and atmosphere that meets the social, emotional learning needs of students. This is achieved and maintained by having an environment that is inclusive of all students in our county. Achieving this is intentional, not something that is done every now and then. The outcome for students creates a sense of belonging that resonates with, within them for a lifetime. Imagine this history lesson. The teacher has the theme of kindness and to present this concept to students, an instructional decision is made to showcase different games children play around the world. Research has to occur representing different countries such as China, Africa, New Zealand, Mexico, etc. Students may compare and contrast how the games in these countries differ or are similar to games children play in the U.S. Students may also examine the different types of foods children like to eat or the types of clothing worn. The teacher may choose to put students in small groups while making further discoveries such as the traditions, cultures, and customs of these countries. Once the unit is completed, students will have experienced a number of skills we expect all students to demonstrate competency in. These discoveries, although begin at the surface level of instruction, may cause students to ask further questions. What are the learner outcomes? Students learn they have more in common with students in other countries than they realize. Students are empowered to dig deeper in their learning and expand their knowledge. Students examine life, cultures, and experiences outside of Franklin County. Are these not the experiences we want all students to be exposed to? Instructional activities such as what I have described leads to the importance of a curriculum that is inclusive and representative of all students. Our students deserve every opportunity we can afford them to engage in constructive dialogue, ask what if questions or I wonder questions. In order for these experiences and instruction to be authentic and applicable to student learning, we must ensure our teachers are also trained in being able to connect and relate to every student in their classroom. If we truly want to meet the social, emotional, and mental needs of all of our students, a sense of belonging must occur, not for some students, but for all students. Until these needs are met, learning will not occur. We all benefit when students bring different perspectives and experiences into the classroom. We face a critical juncture in our nation and within our school system. If mishandled, our school system could be set back an entire generation. Remember. We are preparing all students for their future, and this means being real, having authentic experiences as part of their learning. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I agree. Yes. Um, yeah. Basically, what she's saying is that we got to value. There are other factors that play a role in a a student's performance that we need to be sensitive to. Um, and, and one, I think that, that you brought up uh, a student who doesn't have a, a washing machine at home. Yeah. You know how that, that sets them back on, you know, that can contribute to truancy and not wanting to come to school. Cause they, they don't have clean clothes to come to school in. We, yes, we, we really don't consider the problems that we don't have as problems. Mm -hmm. And, and that that is a that is exactly what Miss um, Muse is, is talking about creating mm -hmm. is creating a space where teachers are aware that if a kid is 
wearing shoes that don't fit because his family's not going to be able to buy him new shoes until mm. Christmas. He's going to come into school uncomfortable, like physically uncomfortable, not just worried about whether somebody's going to make fun of his shoes or not, mm-hmm. but like he physically is going to be uncomfortable. And that that's a, a different thought than many people have. Mm-hmm. And we don't if you don't have those somebody teaching you to think about that, then you're ignorant to it. Then you're ignorant to it. And I think that's exactly what the lady was talking about prior. But it felt like there's a forced ignorance. Like if we remove books that talk about poverty or talk about race or talk about what a child who has been through sexual abuse may look like, we may not be able to navigate those students Mm. or the students may not be able to navigate their classmates without an understanding of what these people are are, are going to live. And it almost seems like they're trying to take empathy from schools. I think that is our biggest fear. Yes. And, and, Um, you know, we're not okay with uh, homosexuality, uh, transgenderism. So any of those teachings need to be taken out of the school, which from my understanding, it, it pretty much teaches empathy. It's for for a, a, a group that is in the minority. I, I think that's the part that, you know, I taught for 20 years. Mm. And in that 20 years, I had one student who was transgender mm-hmm. uh, and not even openly. I don't think she was ever allowed to be. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't we didn't create a school. We didn't create a space. Even I think we had a good rapport. She and I. Mm-hmm. She was not comfortable in my space either. I was not a good person mm. because I didn't know any better. And I lived in a system that worked very hard to make sure I was not supposed to know better. And I think that's a dangerous thing Mm -hmm. because we're not going to run into this all the time. And I I think that's the other thing is they're they've got something that they're afraid of being, you know, like uh, I I don't know what it is. I I can't I can't figure out why you'd want somebody else not to be. I feel like it's a fear of it rubbing off like your black is going to come off. Can I touch your skin and see if. If, if the black is going to come. Oh, no, no, now I'm black, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, what a strange. I, I guess that is. And that's the fear with I, like, I'm I'm all of a sudden going to become like attracted to men. Yes. And I, I and I will say, I don't think that's just a fear of Caucasians. I've, I've come across black people who stated yeah. things like this, that that. Uh, you know, they shouldn't be forced to see it. Yes, I, I understand it. I think I understand it culturally in the black community. I know there's this weird masculine space because and I, I even know I know historically, like even me as a man, when that police officer pulled us over in West Virginia mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, yes, sir. I, you know, and, and I had done nothing wrong. I hadn't caused any trouble. There was no reason for that officer to stop me. Mm -hmm. But here I am, you know, 40 year old man, like kowtowing to a 25 year old police officer with my wife next to me. You know what I mean? Like there's a strange demasculating space that black men sometimes have to exist in. And I can see where we can overextend that. Where we're, you know, you can't be a sissy. You can't be a girly man. You can't. And I, I recognize some of that in black culture. Um, and so I, I think there's that danger a little bit. Mm. Uh, 
No, I, I don't know. <laughs> you're not going, not biting on this one. Well, because I, well, I understand the situation that you're talking about, you know, mm-hmm. and, and being pulled over where um, for the sake of our family and feeling like we need to get home, we, we're the ones to de-escalate mm-hmm. the situation with, with the police officers. Yes. Um, you know, we don't want their day to, <laughs> you know, whatever bad happened to them that that day to be rub off on, you know, on us or, or be forced on us. So, I, yeah, I know the exact I, I know the feeling and how humbling it is, especially when you have an audience. Uh, yes. You know, it, it, it is a very humbling experience to have your spouse in the vehicle while you are a completely different person. Like, <laughs> you know, we're not even that weak in front of our wives. Yeah, you know, yeah no, you don't so, back down like. But you get you got to be home. Yeah, you you got to you got to get home, and you don't know what kind of officer it is. And honestly, we put officers in so many dangerous situations. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know what he's dealing with either. And he's randomly pulled me over. You know, it, it's 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 already on edge, mm-hmm. and. But it, it's it's it was just embarrassing, like like to look over at my wife, because I think it's the first time that um, that something like that had happened in front of her. It's happened with me by myself before, but that was the first time with a real audience. Uh, and that, that one kind of was like, oh, man. <laughs> we continue to see employees leaving to go to other counties around the area because of pay. And yet, we have no real plans before us for our staff to be encouraged to stay where they're at. We cannot afford to wait until next year to increase the pay. pay. Something must be done now. We need to have a plan that is available for all employees before the next school year or we're gonna continue to see people leave. You, we have seen so many dedicated employees leave, and it's only getting worse. What, what, is, propo- what is the proposed pay scale for 22-23 for the employees? I don't know. It's nowhere to be found. We can't see it. Six months later, and I am here with the same unanswered questions. Just last month, the day after the school board meeting, two more bus drivers quit. That makes 10 now, 10 bus openings. Just last month, nothing is going to change until we have a proposal. Parents should be very concerned about what next year holds because this community is blessed to have support staff and teachers that are being pulled in so many directions, overworked and underpaid because Next year, they may find themselves driving their kids to school, unclean schools, and uneducated students. Because if things don't change, soon they may be finding closings of schools or merging schools together, combining already overcrowded classrooms and buses, which will only increase the problem we already have. I can tell you that some of the buses are so overpacked, it is dangerous for them to even be on the road. This is serious. It's not 
going away. But until we have something before us that says, okay, this is what you're gonna get, we're gonna continue to lose those employees. And that's sad because we can't find nobody. And that the only reason is, is because of the pay. And if we could just have something, something laid out before us that says, this is what next year will look like, that will help us know whether we can continue. Thank you. I agree. Um, we gotta have more incentives for uh, um, any uh, staff in Franklin County Public Schools. Um, Bus drivers aren't making as much as they would in Roanoke. Uh, janitorial staff yeah. aren't making enough to live. Uh, what what can the county do to entice uh, staff in Franklin County? Uh, I know in Greensboro, um, they offer competitive housing um, incentives for educators. That'd be a good idea. I I don't know this one. This one, it is a tough one. Um, it's a it, tough it, one. It, then I guess it, it falls back on us. You know, as as taxpayers, are we willing to pay more in taxes? Ah. As much as it hurts, I I would I am. Um, because I, I agree, something needs to be done. Yeah. Um, especially with with uh, the declining number of, of minority teachers in the Franklin County public school system. Yeah, it's it's an indica- it's an early indicator. Now, I'm going to say we're, we're coming up on the hour mark. We're not. Uh, we've got probably 15, maybe 10, 10 to 15 more people allowed to speak. So 20 to 30 minutes. So I'm going to suggest we close out this episode and we pick up next episode um, with the rest of the rest of the speech. Okay. Hey, this has been misunderstood. Time were elastic.
And if we could listen, we'd hear back the laughter. There's no one ever wades through the same river twice. Give me a savior that takes me away. Give me a blanket and 